Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have returning guest, Miguel Escobar. Miguel has been a physician assistant in South Texas for over five years, working in cardiology, hospital settings, and internal medicine. Recently, he worked with Border Patrol in the southern border. Miguel has over 15 years of healthcare experience. He is a father, dog trainer, mentor, and spiritual being of light. Miguel, thank you so much for coming back. I'm really excited today to have an opportunity to chat more with you about a lot of the topics we were unable to address on our part one of this interview. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm super excited. All right. So I want to just get straight to business. I want to really dive into the controversial topic of COVID. 19 and some of the treatments that are potentially available. I I understand, I believe that not all states have access to potentially the same treatments, but in general, can you tell me based on your expertise and knowledge in the healthcare field, what are some of the better options when it comes to getting diagnosed with COVID-19 and being able to combat some of the symptoms or speed up the recovery process? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, one of the main things, right? I think that everyone needs to be uh, knowledgeable about whether you think you have COVID or not, it would just be safer to, especially if you're in the higher risk, uh, right, to, to take something um, and before we get in, that, I just want to let everybody know that it, this is not my professional medical advice because you're not my patient, but this is my opinion based on facts and evidence, based on protocols that are used by doctors and providers and PAs and nurse practitioners, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And we'll go over you know, where you can find this information, too. Um, but it is good to know I've, I've, I've used these uh, protocols myself um, and there's different ones, um, but just need to put that little disclaimer out there. Well, so, I appreciate that disclosure. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. it. So, you know, number one, right? Yeah, that's right. So ACQ, right? Hydroxychloroquine. Uh, it is, it's been around for a very long time. It is. Is that what? Leech? I'm just teasing. Oh, leech? Like kind of like chlorine dioxide that right. isn't kills that, cancer? Isn't that what Trump recommended everyone drink bleach to cure COVID? Yeah, apparently. Even though, you know, when I, I went back and I re-listened to that and I was yeah. like, not once did he actually say that, but sure, that's how people want to take it. And ironically, right, what ends up happening later is that people start finding out about products that do contain chlorine Mm -hmm. uh, that actually not only do they eradicate diseases, but they kill cancer in very small microdoses. Um, You know, but when people say like, oh, you're going to take a disinfectant, like when you're in surgery, they put iodine all over you. They'll put all sorts of chemicals on you or sometimes in you that are disinfectants 
that they don't kill you, but they put it in you. You drink it, they put it in your lungs, they put it in your blood sometimes. So, we, you know, it just shows the uh, lack of looking into things that unfortunately the majority of people um, go through. And HCQ is one of those. You know, uh, all, all you need is one person to say it's dangerous and it spreads like wildfire. There's been oh, 55 years worth of studying on HCQ. Um, it's such a safe drug that that drug and ivermectin in many countries around the world, you can buy over the counter. Um, you can literally just go into a gas station and buy this over the counter without being 18 or any of that. I'm sure some countries, they do have some, uh, you know, uh, regulations like that age, it's just like anywhere. But um, so, you know, originally it's used for, for autoimmune issues. It's, you know, if you have arthritis, if you have lupus um, and, and some other more particular uh, autoimmune issues, but it's, those are the ones that it's kind of mainly used. Um. So is this targeting inflammation? Because we know that with all of the autoimmune diseases, the root is an inflammatory response. So is that primarily yeah. what it's acting upon? And well, and that was my kind of my next segue into was that how telepathy working is that, um, you know, it's not only has it shown to work as a prophylaxis and treatment for co for different types of coronaviruses, but it can help in the inflammation pathway as well, right? Because people obviously now know what a cytokine storm is, which is the epitome of the pathway for uh, the inflammation pathway in the body, which is a very intricate pathway. It leads to other pathways in the body. Um, and it's there's a lot of steps that without getting too nitty gritty into the details that uh, the body needs to go through in order to get to a cytokine storm, which is just basically, you're just opening up all the valves in your body, right? And especially at the cellular level, your cells are allowing a lot of things in and a lot of things out. And so for your lungs, that's not good because you start to take in, or you're basically, your body is now exuding fluid right? Because we're 75% water. And so you start to develop interstitial fluid buildup. So in between the cells, you start to get an accumulation of fluid and that will start to seep out. And so you basically are drain, uh, drowning yourself when you're in those moments. Um, and the same can be told about people who have now been, you know, and so, so yes, it works with the infl inflammatory pathway, but specifically what it's really doing um, <clears throat> is it's helping zinc to get into the cells. So it's kind of prepping your immune system to be able to fend off better, right? And so st studies have shown since 2005 that Dr. Fauci even uh, quoted saying that chloroquines are... Um, uh, the, the miracle drug for coronaviruses, right? And so when you take it, not only, and, and this is basically for almost all the treatments that we're going to talk about, it needs to be in conjunction with other supplements. Okay. 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 And so HCQ, the people have, at first people were recommending three days. Now it's five days. Some people even take it 10 days. 
Um, and, you know, I've seen everybody, you know, pretty, you know, overcoming or recovering very well with the five day treatment. Um, and so it's, it's helping bring in zinc into the cells is what is what's going on there. Um, ivermectin similarly doing something uh, similar. Now, ivermectin is a very tricky one, too, because ivermectin naturally is a dewormer for humans and animals. Right. Uh, it's used for that, but it's also shown a lot of antiviral properties. Okay. And even for certain very particular, um, you know, diseases or infections, it's also shown to work. So it's really crazy how you can use it for different things. And we use it for children and to treat lice, right? It's very effective. In fact, it is probably one of the most effective drugs you know, here at the Border Patrol where I was working, we get people that come in that, I mean, you can see their it's their scalp is moving because it's so many thousands of lice in their hair. OK, yes, you would be petrified to see this and some of the worst cases of lice I've ever seen in my life. And and so when it's that bad, you can put you can put whatever you want on their head and it doesn't kill them. There and there's some lice uh, that are resistant to some of these drugs as well. So when you get to that point, what do you do? You have to give them ivermectin by mouth. Wow. And and it kills it. Mm. Sorry, you were going to say something. Well, for me personally, lice has always been one of those triggers that have caused me to go into OCD kind of tendencies. And myself and my daughters have always had like long, thick, luscious hair. And when they were in their early childhood, I remember literally every day I would be like, let's comb them. Let's make sure there's no lice. Yeah. That's like a nightmare. I can't even imagine. So it's so funny. And so in order to kill the lice, is it getting into the bloodstream and then they're attaching to the blood system and that's how it's. Yeah, I mean, it was coming through your hair, right? And yeah, it's kind of coming off into your, shedding off on your skin because lice, um, yeah, and if they start to, you know, they're, they're going to feed off your scalp. And so, yeah, that's that's what gets them. Okay. Same thing with the dewormers, right? I mean, it gets in your circulatory, it gets in your system. Okay. And eventually that's how you get rid of the worms. Um, and just so people, you know, because they're trying to attack this, like the dewormer, the horse dewormer, the horse med, it, there's many medications that are used in veterinary medicine and in human medicine. Um, some sometimes that they're used in veterinary and they go, well, let's see if this works in humans. It works. Yeah. Most of them are like, hey, penicillin, we can give it to animals, right? Certain painkillers, right? Dogs can take, uh, you know, naproxen and uh, other types of painkillers. Some you do need to be careful for. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of painkillers can be also they're, they're both they're, they're, they're used in both types of medicine. So, it, you know, animals are very similar to humans. Do you know where the most uh, do you know where uh, I believe it's like 80 to 90 percent of the insulin that we inject patients with where it comes from? Pigs. Pigs. Yeah. Does not come from humans. We don't harvest humans. For insulin, we harvest pigs for insulin. Um, you know, we use pigs' heart valves. Mm -hmm. uh, now they're even using some skin grafts, right? I mean, they use emu oil for your skin and stretch marks or whatever, right? Like, 
So a lot of things that are in the animal kingdom, why do we use them? Why do we study lab rats? Why do we study monkeys and all these other animals that are very similar to us genetically because we have a lot of similarities? So um, yeah, a lot of these drugs can be used both in animals and in humans. So both of them, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, have been studied for, for years. Ivermectin, not as long as, long as uh, HCQ, but they've shown in the lab, right, in a little Petri dish, that it can stop it at the cellular level and not harm the cell at all. And then we use it now, obviously, with humans and studies in humans to show that it can use it can be used not only in treatment, but also as prophylaxis. Yeah. Well, technically, that's kind of the definition of a vaccine. So technically, you could kind of use it as a form of vaccination, because if you take it prophylactically, you're prepping your body to not get infected. And then if you happen to get infected, you can take it to help you get through the infection, right? So both of them, it's very important that if you're taking it, um, that it does have to be taken with zinc. Okay. Right. And so, um, and both of them can be a, a five-day treatment. Ivermectin is typically, you can either do it a one-day now I've seen a lot of the protocols, they want to do it a three, three to five day. So let me ask you this. What is a therapeutic dose of zinc that is supposed to accompany these, these medications? And is there a better form of the zinc that is more bioavailable than others? I mean, I've seen a lot of people talk about the bioavailability of zinc, but honestly, I've seen people recover with both. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, yes, I've seen some chemical uh, uh, engineers. In fact, the doctor that I'm good friends with, he's a chemical engineer and he's a hormone specialist. So this is like the man mm -hmm. to talk about in regards to this. And he does also say, you know, it should be a particular type. But I've also seen other doctors bring up literature talking about how, um, you know, either one can help. Um and honestly, I don't even try to get into that. Just eat zinc and you'll be fine uh, because it's just causing more, um, in my opinion, just more of the whole misinformation. Like you can only take this one. You can't take that one. Okay. Um, when I, I have not been particularly because at the very beginning, people weren't necessarily talking too much into it. Mm -hmm. um, until they started, you know, then we get the scientists bringing out the real side, like, you know, oh, no, 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 there is a difference here. And technically there is a difference, but I mean, when you eat zinc and fruits and vegetables, it's natural zinc. Mm -hmm. It's not the, is it the mono or is it the ISO right. that you're, that you're taking and you still live healthy lives, right? Well, I mean, in my opinion, as a dietitian, food first, we're always going to get the most bioavailable nutrients that our body needs from the foods that we can consume to ensure that the needs are being met when, um, you know, when we're having to take synthetic forms of these things, that's where it gets to get, you know, it can become more complicated, especially if we throw the whole uh, digestive system into the process and how, you know, compromised 
majority of the population's digestive system is due to permeability of the mucosal lining and its ability exactly. to actually absorb nutrients efficiently. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think, you know, if, if you are someone that has lived very unhealthy and you're conscious about that, then yeah, maybe you should, you know, get with a dietitian or if your doctor knows or understands it, look, maybe which one should you literally be taking? Uh, the Zelenko protocol, which is the one I've tried to kind of stick to. Okay. Um, there's many different ones. Uh, well, not many, but there's a few. There's a handful. Uh, Dr. Zelenko recommends elemental zinc. Okay. Right. And, and he kind of goes off of what, again, there's different amounts. Okay. Some people say 50 milligrams, some people say 200, some people say 220 milligrams once a day. I sent you a link I, to I got it. I just the it. protocols, which there's different protocols there. Okay. Okay. And so those protocols, some of them also talk about the different types of, of zinc. Okay. I think the most important part is just take zinc and zinc. you should be okay. Okay. Um, so zinc is definitely one of these that you have to take it with zinc. It does not, is not the same thing if you are not uh, taking it with zinc. I'm sure there will be an effect, but the studies that are out there obviously showed uh, or showed obviously that there was a trend that if you took it with zinc, the outcomes were better than if you took it without zinc. That's the ivermectin, correct? For both ivermectin, oh, ivermectin and, and HCQ. Okay. Yes. And so, and, and actually, let me take some steps backwards first, just to kind of talk about um, what are the supplements you should be taking, because even just taking the supplements alone can help you deter from getting sick. Mm -hmm. And the four main ones, vitamin D, well, let's go in alphabet, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc. Those four are just absolutely crucial. And the way I like to say them like that is because you can also get those through your diet. Right. And one thing I think both you and I are extremely on the same path is if you eat healthy, you don't have to worry about the supplements. I do not take any supplements because I eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. But if I'm if it, you know we're getting in the flu season, or I know I'm going to be working with a lot of sick people for maybe a week or so. I will take some extra. And what I recommend to people to take is to just get the best bang for your buck, buy some prenatal vitamins. Mm -hmm. Men out there, you will not get pregnant taking prenatal vitamins. But, um, you know, if you if you just look at the back of all these vitamins, though, men's health, this health, whatever, they're basically the same vitamins. Right. Just concentration. Some of them, yes, they can have a few different uh, vitamins or antioxidants or whatever that you're you're uh, that you're getting. Uh, but for the most part, the reason why I like to use prenatal is because those are going to be uh, to the max. And if not the max, you're going to be getting a thousand percent of your daily value and, and things of that nature. <clears throat> So and it's so covering all of the bases, just kind of a, a safe staple of exactly cover the bases. Yeah, you'll get those four, mm -hmm. plus you'll get some selenium, 
you'll get some magnesium, mm -hmm. you'll get some the all the B complexes, you'll get folate, right, which you need folate, folic acid with your B12s and your other Bs, so your body can absorb it. And so you get the whole bang for your buck. So I always recommend to take the prenatal vitamins, um, which again, contain vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc. It's best to get, and the reason why I like to do that too, because normally the prenatals will have the higher amount of zinc. Okay. If not, you have to, and, and look at it because sometimes some of them won't have, uh, they'll, they'll only have like five milligrams of zinc, which yeah. is really not enough. Yeah. You need to try to get to that 50 milligrams a day yeah. is the minimum. Um, if not, try to get the 200 or the 220 milligrams a day okay. of, of that. Vitamin A, D, uh, you know, A, C, and D. Uh, look, so many, I just read an article the other day talking about how, you know, these taking a thousand or 2000 IUs, international units of vitamin D or so, that it's really, you're not even touching it in your body, right? It's just like spitting a little thing yeah. at you. Yeah. Well, and I can speak specifically to that from a personal, yeah, please. you know, experience. So I have a kidney disease. And as a result of that, um, synthesizing and absorbing vitamin D has been a bit of an issue for me. And so I've been severely deficient of vitamin D since about 2019. That was when I had first awareness around it. And when I went and got my blood values tested, I had a six. I was at a critically low level of vitamin D. And at that time, I had started gaining a ton of weight, started having thyroid issues. Most importantly, I was having like suicidal ideologies, severe depression, couldn't understand what was happening. And it was all associated with the low vitamin D. So I started taking vitamin D supplementation on top of the fact that I live in sunny California and I don't wear sunscreen and I eat, you know, foods that are good sources of vitamin D. So for two years with 50,000 IUs weekly on top of 5,000 IUs daily and getting plenty of sun and food, it took me two years to get my level from a 16 to a 13. Wow. I, I, I actually, this morning, got some new lab values done. And three months ago, I was finally up to an 85, which I, just full disclosure, I was doing a lot of um, sunbathing to get as much exposure to the sun as possible on top of my supplementation. My doctor discontinued my vitamin D supplementation because she says to me, you're in an optimal range and you no longer need supplementation. You're fine. And I argued with her and said, no, you don't understand. If I don't keep up my current protocol, my vitamin D levels are going to distinguish significantly in a very short time. So in less than two months, I just got my new lab values back. I went from an 85 to a 23. Wow. So a thousand I use for me is like, nothing it's not going to do yeah. for me so it is yeah and typically it's, it's not yeah it's for vitamin d i would say vitamin c i would i would say that you know we get so many you know so many foods have vitamin c in it um a lot of foods are fortified with vitamin c 
And so, you know, that, you know, you can take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C and, and, and be pretty good. You could take more as well. It's not going to do you harm. But with the vitamin D, for sure, you got to be at like the 2000 IU, regardless if uh, what's going on. Now, obviously, for those of you that have deficiencies, you do need to go speak to your doctor. Make sure that, you know, you're getting your levels checked and what you need to take. But, you know, the 5000 range, even the 10,000 range for some people, it does it could just barely touches them even. So, you know, vitamin D, what I always recommend is still get some sun. I mean, sun is antiviral in nature. Right, antibacterial in nature. So get some sun, take some vitamin D, um, and uh, you know, and you can get kind of like that. Like I was saying, the whole kind of game, the whole shebang with the prenatal vitamins. If yeah. you want to look at it from a more efficient aspect, um, and so then those are like your, your your like the stamp. You need those. Well, another one that's very important too that you can add in there that some people this is the first time they've heard of it is quercetin. Okay. Right? So uh, quercetin is, they're actually showing now that it can even have some properties kind of like what HCQ and ivermectin are doing, that it can kind of help propagate, you know, and stop the, the infection mm -hmm. um, and even have kind of like a prophylactic approach at it from building up the immune system. Now this is what is recommended to also help uh, support cholesterol levels, correct? Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th this is like you're just you're you should just if you're not eating fruits and vegetables, though, these are some of the main ones you need to make sure you're having. And like I said, the other ones we mentioned, vitamin B, all their B's. Right. You need to make sure as well as folic acid that works together. Mm -hmm. Same thing with vitamin D. You got to make sure you're eating calcium because if you don't have calcium, your body can't absorb the vitamin D well. So right. those two, you got to make sure it's in conjunction. Mm -hmm. You're eating some form of calcium, which the prenatals will have some of the calcium. Magnesium, super essential. Mm -hmm. Selenium, super essential. Right. These are things that you if you're eating your sufficient amount of fruits and vegetables and a variety of them, you will be replenishing your body with these elements. Mm -hmm. um, but uh yeah. So quercetin also, yeah, it can help cardiovascular wise and whatnot. And most of all of these, I mean, that's just the natural, you know, it's just making the body function properly. Right. And again, my brain goes to a lot of what you're recommending. You know, a lot of what we're discussing here targets that inflammatory response within the body that contributes to all of the side effect symptoms that we experience that then create the chronic diseases. Yes. Imagine food being the the medicine. Wow. That's amazing. What if a it was only that easy. I know, right? I know. And now we're going into a food shortage where we're not going to have access to the food that we need. Yeah. <laughs> right, so make sure you stock up on some, you know, natural supplements. Oh, but wait. But wait a minute. My understanding is right now in legislation, they are trying to eliminate the access to some of these vitamins and minerals that we can now purchase over the counter. And they're trying to expedite that as early as spring 2022. What are we to do? We won't be able to get it in our food, nor we won't be able to go and get the supplements. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And people don't realize how, how, they're, they're literally 
they're putting you in a little box and acting like it's for your safety and they're not allowing you to do the things that are actually safe for you. I mean, there was literally articles being written on Medscape, which is a, it's a pretty good reference for doctors um, okay. to, and for patients as well that you can get a lot of info on there. They were literally writing articles like, is vitamin D really that important in the body? Do you really need vitamin D? You know, like, are you freaking kidding me right now? God put this in your in, in, in the the manuscript for your body, and it comes from the sun. I how can you possibly say that vitamin D is not important, right? And at the beginning, they were literally saying, Oh, you don't worry about vitamin D, right? No, don't worry. Well, obviously, the study sort of showing immediately which is a known thing in healthcare for older people that the mo everyone that was dying were shown to be vitamin D sufficient, insufficient. Right. Right. And so for older people, they don't go out as much. They're not getting, they're not exposed a lot to sunlight. So they, naturally their levels are very low. So they have to be taking it. And they're saying like, Oh, well, we don't know if it's a recommendation yet that we need to put out there on the CDC. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? It's, it, you know, it's a joke. You, so vitamin D for me is a super trigger. All right. You're going to get me fired the fuck up when it comes to vitamin D, because number one, when I was going through all my issues and I was literally suicidal and couldn't figure out what the heck was going wrong, going on with me, but I knew something was wrong. I went to my doctor and I said, I need you to test my vitamin D levels. Well, at this time I wasn't up the age of 45 yet. So my doctor's response to me was, I can't. And I said, why? And they said, because insurance will no longer cover mandatory or uh, not mandatory um, standard testing of vitamin D for women under the age of 45. It's not necessary. Okay, so I paid out of my pocket 25 fucking dollars to go to a Quest Diagnostics and have a vitamin D test done. And it, that's when I got my six, took it back to my doctor. And my doctor was absolutely shocked that I had such a low vitamin D level. But the problem is the barrier is that insurance is the component here, right? Insurance is yeah. blocking the doctor's ability to say, hey, let's get this test prescribed so that we can know and rule out that this might be a root cause. The other thing that we know about vitamin D, not only is there a correlation with, um, you know, deaths from COVID, but it's also a contributing factor to type two diabetes, as well as many mental health disorders, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, like the list goes on and on to me. Vitamin D is pretty essential. It's not just a vitamin. It's acting more like a hormone with over 200 reactions in the body that it helps to regulate. Yeah. So it's Big time. Yeah. I mean, it's super important. Right. But, and the, the whole motion is like, they know it's good for you, but they don't want you to be on it. Right. They, they don't want you to take just even the natural things that will help your body. And, and, you know, hopefully people really, click with that in the sense that they're not after your well-being they are not the foods you eat cause inflammation 
the ones that they especially make super cheap and they give tax credits to for people and, and, and you know these companies they're all the foods that cause an absorbent amount of, of inflammation in the body right. so these people that are passing away most of them that i see they're the very unhealthy that they're put sodas fast food you know i mean a lots of meat a lot you know anything that's preservative packed you know, all these things cause inflammation in your body. And so it's it's not good. And so you're already revving up the motor. So we're in that pathway that we're talking about. And so now instead of being down here, you're now like halfway or above. Well, now you get sick. Mm-hmm. You only have a very short amount of space to go from here to cytokine storm. Right. 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 So one of the things I'm also telling a lot of the patients is uh, don't eat lots of meat don't eat things that are going to cause you inflammation because you're you're pushing on that envelope right um so those are some of the supplements right um that that you can take um and then you know you need to take that in conjunction if if you whether you want to do it prophylactically or just for treatment with hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin Another drug that we can take, uh, especially if you're more at a high risk, which these protocols will, you know, uh, you know, one of them, just because I know people are like, which protocols? It's uh, c19protocols.com. Okay. Okay. C19protocols with an S. And for all of our listeners, I will make sure that I attach this in the audience or in the show notes so that you have easy access to what Miguel is referring to. Yes. And so you can see there's different options there and some of them vary. Okay. And most of all of them have been studied in one shape or, or, or other. So if you're more now we're talking about high risk or someone that really is coughing a lung, you can't breathe. You know, we're talking some some really severe danger. We don't want to go to the hospital. Well, then you need to throw in what, what most people know as as a Z-pack or azithromycin, which okay. is antimicrobial. So it's an antibiotic. Okay. That also helps with decreasing inflammation in the lining of the of the lungs. Um, and it it's really there to cover you more so for a secondary infection that if you're already getting very sick because of COVID, well, then you need to be careful for pneumonia, right? From any other thing that's sitting in your lungs or that you're going to be breathing in. So really it's, it's more protective for secondary infections, but it's also used to help with the inflammation in the lungs. Okay. which that's where, you know, most people that are getting really sick, that's where they're going to be most affected. Right. So what they're calling those, COVID pneumonia, correct? Like when it gets to yeah. that point, they're calling it the COVID pneumonia and that's what's equivalenting to a lot of the deaths. Yes. Okay. And um, yeah. And some of them, they could be, they could have the bacterial pneumonia, which is no longer a COVID issue. And really that's what's causing the deaths, yeah. which is in the major causes of death are always right. Influenza, pneumonia, uh, flu-like illnesses that they just, you know, they just falls under pneumonia. Right. Mm. So those are like the stamps. Now there's a few other ones that people don't maybe haven't heard of, but they also work. And there's also studies on them. Um, Colchicine, which is used for people with gout um, or uric acid levels, 
has shown to also have worked as kind of prophylactically, but especially for treatment of COVID. Another really important one that I like to use, especially because you can use it from children to the, the youngest to the oldest, is budosinide, uh, which a Texas doctor here, I forget his name, but he was really one of the ones, the proponents kind of pushing it. And now there's some a few studies showing that, yes, and, and the thing about that drug, it's so safe. You can give it to a prenatal you know, b- a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to take it uh, well, so pull, so th- this is a drug that the brand name is Pulmacort or Simbacort. Okay. So people who have asthma, they know exactly what I'm talking about because it's a stamp. It, you know, it's a gold standard for asthmatics and people who have COPD. And so um, the best way to take it, though, with a COVID infection is with a nebulizer. So you have to get it in the in the vial form use it as a solution, put it in your little nebulizer, and then you, you know, you have to aerosolize it. And what did they do in the hospitals? They banned aerosolized medications. Oh, wow. So no ER in the United States is allowing aerosolized medications. What What a coincidence. Wow. So a drug that can really save your life alone without any other thing that you could use it in the ER as soon as they come in, they're saying, no, but we can't use it because when they're breathing in that thing, it's aerosolizing COVID. And so we're exposing more people to COVID, but isn't that what's happening when the person is walking into the building? Wow. Exactly. Wow. So they're all they're doing is taking the rug out from under you. They're saying here, eat this food, but we have to take away your fork and your spoon and your knife. And actually give me that plate too. Oh, and in case it's cold, you can't use a microwave or a stove. You can't use any of that. So we're just going to here. Just let's just drop the food right there. And in fact, actually, let's take the table away, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, all they're doing is making it incredibly difficult to treat people. We when people have tuberculosis, when they have an asthma attack and we find out later that they may have anthrax or they have uh, a meningitis, right? Or they have some crazy infectious disease. We're giving them a nebulizing treatment in the ER. What's the difference? Right. Wow. What's the difference? You isolate the patient, you put them in a room, you isolate a bunch of patients. All they're doing is strategically killing people on purpose. And doctors, unfortunately, cannot see this. Mm-hmm. So budosonide is also very safe. Um, I would still use it in conjunction with these other medications, but uh, I've seen people even just alone on it. Uh, you know, it's worked pretty good at helping, especially with pulmonary issues. But I would still, especially someone high risk, you want to use these other drugs and supplements. Mm-hmm. So those are the the drugs out there. And there's a few other ones that people use, but those are like the main ones that are being used in the U.S. Most states, you can get these medications. Um There are a few states that the pharmacy boards are now, again, never in the history of medicine have pharmacy boards come out saying, well, we're not going to allow you to give this medication. Mm -hmm. It's not FDA approved. Well, there's also drugs that we can use for other purposes if the doctors believe that it can be used, okay, which means it's it's what's called using an off-brand medication, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, basically using it for what what it's not necessarily meant to be made for in that 
in that, for that brand, for its intended purpose, right? Um, where like in Texas, our Texas Medical Board and the Pharmacy Board, they did come out writing a, a, a note or, you know, they put a, a letter out for everybody saying, look, we're not going to stop providers from using medications for other intended purposes, which is great. Basically what they're saying is go ahead and use HCQ and ivermectin. We're not going to stop you, wow. which is the right thing to do because when someone is dying, you use whatever means necessary. Yeah. And these, that part of the, know, these, I don't know how many more, you know, uh, legal cases I have to hear where doctors are refusing to give ivermectin when someone's ventilated and dying. Mm -hmm. They're dying. Like just put what, if they want to inject gasoline and you let them know, Hey, if I inject gasoline, this person, they're going to die. Just do it. He's an addict to gasoline, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Just let them know what that you're giving them the fair warning and then just do it. Mm -hmm. all, so all these doctors have to say is, well, look, and for my education, I am telling you there's a risk that there could be a death if they take ivermectin. I'm just like, okay, doctor, thank you for letting us know. We'll take the risk. Mm -hmm. Just give it to them. Mm -hmm. No, these doctors are literally fighting this in court while the patient is sitting in the ICU. Like the audacity of these doctors to say that they're take an oath to protect us and to help heal us. Yeah. It's just, it's just so wrong on so many levels. Um, and so, you know, it's very important for everybody to, to educate themselves on what they need to take beforehand to not fall in the hospitals because the hospitals are just going to outright kill you. Um, a lot of there's, I, I don't have all the websites here, but there's some websites now that doctors are signing up and saying, look, uh, we're, we're, we're doctors in, in these many states giving these medications. So contact those doctors. Um, American Frontline, uh, America's FrontlineDoctors.org is also, you can do a telehealth through them um, and, and look for treatment. And again, that website is America's, plural, mm -hmm. FrontlineDoctors, plural, .org, which they've been, they're trying to shut them down. Why? Because they're saving people's lives. You know, I don't know how many of these doctors that they're like, I've treated a thousand patients. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. And they've saved them. And we've had maybe two deaths, right? Wow. So you can do a telehealth with them. Now, don't wait to the last minute. They will give you it prophylactically. Sometimes you have to go through a pharmacy that's going to mail it to you because some pharmacies will not. So try to call around, see where the pharmacies that will, you know, provide these medications. Just straight up ask them because believe me, they will tell you I will not or I will. Okay. okay. As long as the doctor is prescribing it. Okay. That's all I need to know. Um, that way we can avoid less time with the medications being sent to your house and just have them ready in case someone does get sick. Because what do we know? What are the studies that prove this? And I'm going to send you another link, Heather, okay. to an awesome link of all of the studies done. And it's one of the largest compilations. Now, in this one itself, okay, if you look up to, on the very top, it also, you'll see that there's like other tabs up there. And th this is where it includes many of the other medications we've talked about, okay. the studies on those medications.
Um, and so this is literally every single study that's out there. It gets updated daily. Wow. So for th- some of you that want to see the research, it's there for these doctors that say there's no research on this. There's over 300 studies on HCQ alone. Wow. So doctors listening, do not tell me that oh, there's wow. no study. So this is like updated almost in real time, huh? It's real time. It's real wow. time. Oh, wow. It's an amazing wow. website. And so if you look up at the top, okay? Yeah. There, you'll see it says like there's like abbreviations, right? Mm-hmm. And so those abbreviations are the other medications. Okay. So... Or actually, no. Well, it depends how you look at it. If you look at it on your phones up top, on the left-hand side, you have aspirin, bamlavid, uh, bromohexine, budosonide, which is the one I was talking about, colchicine, the convolucent plasma, right? Hydroxychloroquine. You know, even they even they even have freaking uh, uh, what are they using on now? The uh, remdesivir, right? They, they have all of them, the zinc, vitamin A, they have all of these studies, which are the main ones. Melatonin is another big one that they're showing that, that, that you know, a lot of doctors are giving it as like a prophylaxis. Uh-huh. And on the HCQ one, if you scroll down, it goes all the way to the 1800s. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, there is a lot of stuff here. Literally. They have a few from the 1800s, the early 1900s, and my favorite one, the one in 2005 that Sir Fauci himself quoted that chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. And it was shown to have strong antiviral effects against the infection, not only for treatment, but also for prophylaxis. That is profound. It's insane when these people literally are telling you there's no studies, they are lying through their entirety. Right. Right. So that's why I have no fear in speaking because people are, you're going to get in trouble. All these other providers and doctors, you're going to get in trouble. They're going to take your license away. Like little do you know, the facts and the evidence is actually there to show that this is not only effective, it's also safe. And it doesn't cause these heart abnormalities like everyone's talking about. It does not. Those studies were fake. They had to be retracted because they were so false and made up. There was no way they would be able to be published. Well, then then I kind of want to segue into the vaccine and some of the consequences that have been experienced due to... You know, yes. Well, we'll get into that. But I do want to say quickly, the same things that we just talked about will help you if you have been vaccinated as well. If you are vaccinated and you get sick, you need to get HCQ or ivermectin. Okay, that's you need to do it. It's going to it's going to be your best bet. And so and with the supplementations. Now, other supplements that I will recommend, and this is according to Dr. Artis with a D. Dr. Artis recommends to take for for the vaccinated vitamin C, 5,000 milligrams once a day and and working your way up to 10,000 milligrams. 
then magnesium 500 milligrams once a day, working your way up to a thousand milligrams. Now you just have to be careful that much amount of vitamin C and magnesium can cause diarrhea. It can cause stomach upset. So I don't recommend going that high unless you get sick, right. then you can well, be on that for a short period of time. Well, and I think also this is where potentially the kind of magnesium that you're taking, for instance, a magnesium citrate versus a magnesium glycinate is going to help reduce the digestive distress in combination with potentially the vitamin C. So, yeah. And unfortunately he does recommend the citrate. He does. It's okay. So yeah. And he, he, he acknowledges it that it will affect your GI. For some people, you know, that are a little more sensitive, it will affect their GI. Most majority of the population is chronically constipated. So, you know, a good clean out they won't, won't, even won't be the worst thing that's happened to them. So, yes. so magnesium. Then selenium. Okay. So but magnesium is 500 milligrams once a day going up to a thousand and you do need to kind of stepwise. Don't just yeah. jump to a thousand. You will have diarrhea and some stomach issues. Um, so then selenium 200 micrograms once a day, which is not milligrams. It's a whole lot smaller micrograms once a day. And then apple pectin powder. Okay which you will have to search for that, but apple pectin powder, you would take 700 milligrams twice a day. Milligrams? And so milligrams twice a day. This is, and that's kind of more like for, for detoxing to pull all the bad stuff out. Yeah. So he so recommends so, this. So sorry. my dietitian brain is saying, so the pectin is the soluble fiber that is helping to entrap whatever the pathology is and help to remove it from the body. Exactly. Okay. Makes sense. Exactly. In my brain, In my brain it makes perfect sense. I understand how this all flows together. That's right. You know, so I, have he to, I have to compliment you really quickly. I just want to say that as a listener, the delivery of the information is extremely consumer friendly. And I am sure many people listening right now are applauding your approach to delivering this information in a way that we can understand. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I talk to my patients. All, I like to talk to my patients and like some providers. And so, you know, you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of patients don't ask questions because they're trying to interpret and understand and then they forget the question and then they're like okay wait what else did he say oh my gosh and so you know it's not about dumbing it down it's i want you to understand what's going on i want you to understand that there's a difference uh and and maybe even a little bit of the pathophysiology because if i can make you see how it's working it makes sense to you mm -hmm. and if it makes sense to you you're more willing to take it Absolutely. Yeah. And not only willing to take it, but hopefully willing to just live a healthier, meaningful life. Right. So this is meant for vaccinated people. OK, and I'm not going to go into the very nitty gritty details about it, but he really thinks that this is what's going to support with the spike protein uh, pathways and everything that's going on in the body. Right. Which we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. 
But let me just mention one more thing. So another very important uh, supplement you can take is N-acetylcysteine. I'm sure NAC, you've heard about it. NAC. Which you no longer can purchase. They fucking banned it. They banned it. And so again, this should be your little light bulb, your red light bulb going, ming, 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 ming. Why are they banning something that's good for you? Because they don't care about your health. They want to make you sick so they can make a buck off you. So with the NAC, what is the recommendation if it were available? That again is, I would just take it as it's as as is recommended. That is such a good supplement. It's not only, but I mean, and, and there's unfortunately not a lot of research that I have found, but it's not only shown to keep your immune system good. It's anti-cancer. It's, you know, keeps your immune system built up. Some people are even saying it could help to fend off the spike protein, um, you know, nonsense that's going on in the body. Okay. Um, so it is hard to find that, but if you can get a hold of it. Huh? So just just for the listeners, for those that are are interested, you may not be able to get NAC over the counter right now, like we just more let like six weeks ago had access to, but you can go and get a IV at like a hydration center where you can actually get the NAD form, which is an even more potent form of the NAC that we once had available to us. So you can still get NAD over the counter. You can still purchase that. And you can go to like a IV hydration center where you can get it intravenous, right? But it's, it's very expensive. Like yeah. I mean, dollars per session expensive. Well, it's how high well, commodity it is. I'm trying to make it affordable for everybody. <laughs> well, and and uh, so so that's one that works. Now, also, um, you know, some people lately have been hearing about uh, the pine needle tinctures. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Have you heard of that? I have, yeah. So, yeah, so some of the pine medicine, right, is... Uh, you know, some people want to say that the ceramin or suramin in it. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I can tell you that there are some benefits of these pine needle um, uh, syrups or, you know, oils or tinctures that they make. Um, But, you know, before getting into that, I mean, look it up, research it well, because I don't even want to get into that because again, everything I'm telling you, you can get it from your, fruits and vegetables. You don't have to go searching for what kind of pine tree because it's not just any kind of pine tree, even though it's a majority of them, but you do have to be careful with that. Um, And um, so, you know, people, I've heard and seen people using it and, and it works for them too. They haven't been sick and they're around COVID and they don't wear a mask or whatever. They're doing everything like normal and they've been just fine. Um, and uh, Dr. Tenpenny also recommends recently, I'm sorry, not Dr. Tenpenny, Dr. Mikowitz. Um, some people may know of her, but she also uh, recommends uh, for the spike protein and some of the shedding that we're going to get into 
is uh, she, I, I was trying to look more into because I hadn't heard of this, but the brand is called Pro Immune okay. and it's basically the glutathione. Okay. Yeah. Aspect of it is what we're looking for. The glutathione, um, which she's saying is helping at the, you know, kind of the amino acid level uh, with the spike proteins. So, you know, some people have now been hearing like, what's this thing with the shedding and yeah. whatnot. So, so people can understand in the trials, the very short trials with a very small amount of people that were actually doing this, um, one of their rules on, on their guidelines that they, in their trial, you know, the, the, basically all the controls that they're doing, one of them was, especially for pregnant females was that if someone was, uh, a test subject, they couldn't come in the same room or be in physical contact with a vaccinated person. So you have to understand here, they're not going to simply state what's happening, but you need to understand that if in a trial you're being told you cannot be in the same room with somebody or be in contact like an intercourse, mm -hmm. that should raise a big flag. What's going on that I can't be in the same room? Because what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Respiratory, that's what we're talking about with COVID, you can't be in the same room. You can't be this many people in the same room because we're breathing something out. And then in physical contact, well, that also means you're shedding something off your skin. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a big thing. And this, you can go, you can read this. It's in the clinical trials. I think it's like page 58 or 59 on there. Okay. Um, or 48 or 49 that it's clearly labeled on there. OK, so they're not going to come out specifically saying, oh, yeah, the shedding. And what people have to understand, well, don't they have to legally say that legally? They don't because it's under an emergency use authorization. Once it gets a full FDA approval, which it's not, then they start to ha they have to start disclosing some of this information. OK, but as of right now, they don't even have to tell us what the ingredients are because it's under emergency use authorization. It's not FDA approved yet. The FDA approved vaccine is one that's not even used in the market. It's not produced. Right. No one is using it. And that's so what, they basically. And it's such a shame because majority of the people think that because it has been approved through the FDA, that that is the product they are receiving when they request the vaccination. Yes. But it's not. None of the vaccines that are being given out are FDA approved. None, not one. And the one that they FDA approved, they're not making it because it still hasn't been qualified or, I guess, passed through the liability clause, which is where the ones that they are giving, they cannot be held liable. Right. Well, the one that they approved, they can still be held liable. So they're not making not one ounce of it. So they're not going to give that because they can be held liable. So until they finally get it passed, which most likely it will be. So, real quick, and I hate to interrupt you, but my brain is going. But right now they're trying to speed up the FDA approval of the vaccination for children five and over. 
So how does that apply to them? Do they still get the same vaccination that everyone else is getting or do they? Well, most likely it's just a, a manipulation of words. It's not really FDA approval. It's oh, so the FDA did another EUA for the children under five or whatever. Okay, okay. that's what they do. So uh, I think that it's important parents understand that. You're not and even FDA approved product because it's not liable yet. Yep. So, so well, the ones that are being used, there is the, the liability clauses in effect. Well, they are not, you cannot hold them liable, right? right. Um, and uh, which is funny is that's the only entity. If you're a patient and you come into my room and I do a procedure on you and it comes out that I botched it, I can be held liable for it. Same here. If you go to a shop to get your car fixed and they mess it up and you get in a wreck because of their fault, you're held liable for that. But they can make something that can cause death and injury and all sorts of stuff. And they're saying, well, I can't be held liable for that. How does that even make sense? But more importantly, parents need to understand is that children are not truly affected like the flu by coronavirus. I mean, yes, anybody can be affected by any kind of infection, but children have their fatality rate is 0.0003%. So you literally have a higher chance, I believe, in certain beaches that your child will be attacked by a shark than die of COVID. Wow. You know, so people don't look at it at that perspective, like what is the true risk ratio, right? And so most good providers are going to say, what's the risk to benefit ratio? Mm -hmm. I don't see any benefit in a child receiving a vaccine when the risk of COVID in itself is super low already. Not only getting it, but that the infection will cause a problem in their life. Now, if you put the vaccine in them, well, now the risk is going up. We're putting something in them that has not been fully studied, that they can have what's called an iatrogenic reaction, which means that the simply the mixture of all the ingredients can cause a reaction, which is basically what's going on without even talking about the mRNA aspect of it. So you're, all you're doing is raising, if you're putting something in somebody, you're, you're, that's a risk. Mm -hmm. That is a risk. It's also a blunt force trauma. And yeah, like why do we need to put more needles in our kids? So what happens is you're actually raising the risk. What are the recent studies showing with the vaccines that it's at, the efficacy is actually dropping to 47%. So someone that's age 69 and below, your recovery rate from COVID is 99.9 something percent, but it's 99% that you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. When you inject yourself, you're lowering it now from 99, you're going down to almost 50%. So you're literally increasing your fatality by 50%. I did not know. by putting something in your body that is not truly benefiting you. Holy shit. I, I did not realize that. I didn't realize that the <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's insane. And 
not only that, right, uh, that you're, you're, you're literally decreasing your recovery rate, okay? But they try to trick you in saying, oh, right, it, it's, it's 95% efficacious. If you notice, it's not doctors saying that because legally they could be held liable for putting out misinformation like that. Mm. Dr. Fauci does not say that. Dr. Fauci says, oh, they have been shown to be effective. That's it. But effective in what? Because I can make, a, a, you know, if I cherry picked my own patients in this study, I can make it be the most best thing ever. But that doesn't mean it's true. So what did they study? This is what people don't understand. When they did the clinical trials for the vaccines, what were they looking at? It was not looking at if the vaccine lowers your mortality rate. Okay. And if it would lower your hospitality rate, that's not what the end outcome, what they were trying to look for. The studies were conducted to look at if it decreases your symptoms and the longevity of the COVID infection. That's it. So when they say, well, it's 95% efficacious. Yes, it is. At what? 95% good at decreasing your symptoms of COVID infection. Mm -hmm. It was 90, 95% efficacious, some of them, because honestly, some of them were not. They were like 87%, and that was only a very short period of time as a study is because we're still in the trial until 2023. As the distance increases, it's showing that that number keeps going lower and lower. <clears throat> so, it's 95% is showing that, yes, you may not have symptoms for 10 plus days. <clears throat> it may be less than that. Mm -hmm. So that is what its efficacy was proven to be. Not your fatality rate, not your hospitality rate. Mm -hmm. How they're able to start saying that is other studies were looking at, well, here's a vaccinated and non-vaccinated or just everybody vaccinated or just anybody and we noted that people who were vaccinated were showing that, but I'm telling you, those are botched studies. Mm -hmm. They're picking most likely very healthy individuals that were gonna make it out anyways. And they're saying, oh, well, look, they'll survive. And then they're getting the 95 year old that's probably in hospice that didn't get vaccinated. And then they die and say, oh, well, see, because they weren't vaccinated, mm -hmm. their fatality rate increased. Right. So. You know, they're, they're just manipulating these studies uh, because personally, the people I talk to who work in the ICUs, they're like, everybody in here is vaccinated and 75% of them are intubated. Well, well, okay. So to that real quick right now with what we see currently, you know, in the media in terms of reporting cases that once an individual goes into the hospital and is diagnosed with COVID, they no longer have to report whether or not they have been, that they're vaccinated and that is a contributing factor. Well, I don't know if that's a CDC guideline, but I know hospitals, they have their protocol set up, especially with the computer. So once you click a button, yeah, I mean, if you don't understand how the protocols work, which I am that kind of detail oriented person. I was one of the super users um, learning and teaching not only providers, but many people how to use the system. Mm -hmm. And I like to know, well, if I click this, does this mean that I'm going to get these options or are my options going to go away? <clears throat> so they're literally making these systems that, yes, if you just automatically put COVID, it may not ask you 
to verify if they're vaccinated or not. It's up to the doctor mm -hmm. and they don't care. They, these doctors are really pushing the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to show that people who are vaccinated are actually getting more sick than those that aren't. And what I've seen on certain of those protocols, it's not asking for the vaccinated. It's just asking, are they exhibiting COVID-like symptoms? Mm -hmm. Are they, uh, were they exposed to someone with COVID? Do you think that this could be a COVID infection? Mm -hmm. So that way they don't even have to do a test. Wow. Because what did they do at the very beginning of this? The entity that's responsible for how we code things, the National Vital Statistics Systems, mm -hmm. okay? They, at the very beginning, I sent this to as many doctors as I could, like, look at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They literally gave doctors, like, an op a huge open gate that they could just diagnose it with whatever they want to that they don't have to have a diagnostic exam. If you just even think it, smell it, even want it, you can not only diagnose it as an infection, but also you can certify a death certificate of saying, I think that was a COVID death. Wow. So literally, if I walk into the ER and someone's dead on the ground, they're like, sir, I don't know what happened, you died. And I could be like, hmm, alcoholic, drug overdose. No, no, you know what? Heart attack. No, never mind. Don't we get $10,000 if we say COVID death? COVID death. That's what I was just going to say. And that's how a doctor can literally certify a death certificate per the new guidelines. When before it was so strict, insurances would not pay you if you did not show specifically how this death was related to this condition. But now it's like, oh, no, it's okay, man. Go do whatever you feel is necessary. You can just diagnose it like that, right? So, yeah, so they don't. So what's going on in the hospitals now is that CDC is telling people, uh, doctors and hospitals, well, look, uh, because we're not worried about breakthrough cases, because the studies show that the vaccinated don't have any issues, then you don't have to label them as a COVID death or a COVID case. OK, unless they're ventilated or unless they're like literally dying, then they say, yes, you'd still need to do it. But some doctors aren't because if the doctor's not asking the question, you don't know. And they're going down as a death of an unvaccinated person. Wow. Now, some systems, they may correlate eventually and find out, well, no, this person was vaccinated, but they're not going back and fixing the death certificate. And I know this personally because it's happened in my family. And it's happened in friends and families that they have been fighting back and the hospitals refused to change the diagnosis, even though there was never wow. any confirmatory lab showing that. So, so what's happening, why they can get away with saying, well, the unvaccinated are filling our hospitals because when someone comes in, they're not necessarily asking that question. And because they're not worried about breakthrough cases, if you're a COVID case and they know you're back and the person comes in, but I'm vaccinated. Okay. Well, now the doctor has to say, okay, well, the person's saying they're vaccinated and they come up positive for COVID. Well, I don't need to put it down because CDC says that breakthrough cases aren't a big deal and we don't need to notify them that this is a COVID case. That is just so messed up. Okay. So messed up on so many different levels. So that's how they manipulate the system. That's yeah. how they manipulate 
the numbers and the numbers lead to the statistics and the statistics lead to the studies and the studies lead to, oh, this is what we know when it's not like that. Wow. Man. So anyways, I just wanted to put that out there because not a lot of people know that. No. And this is great stuff. I mean, you're blowing me away with things that I did not have any awareness of. So I appreciate you sharing this information. I want to go back to the shedding really quick. Yes, I am. That's what I was going to because I really have been struggling to kind of wrap my, my brain around this whole concept of shedding. So do we shed through respiratory as well as skin or is it one, the other kind of break this down for me and help me understand it a little better? Yeah. So shedding, how is it happening? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't know all the answers to that. Because I don't even know if they would allow anybody to even study this because it would blow a huge hole in their agenda. So we naturally shed all the time, Mm -hmm. right? We release pheromones, right? right? Right. That's how men and women will naturally be attracted to each other by just smelling their pheromones, Right. you know? That's how women will also, how women can sync up their periods, Mm -hmm. right? Because when they're around them, you know, people for a long time, your pheromones start to release and now it kind of entices the other woman. Oh, you know what? I, I, she's starting her period. I should probably start it too. Right. So ironically enough, I live in a house of three women and we just six months into this are all in sync. It's our week. This is our week. <laughs> that's so funny. I think that's so hilarious. Like every time I see a bunch of women together, like working with the border patrol and these women are cl- traveling together and one will be like, oh, I'm on my period or something. And I'll stand and like, are all of you on the period? And like at least 10 of them are like, yeah, like me. Like, okay. I just want to make sure that that actually is a working thing. Okay, thank you. Yep. Validated. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally validated, right? And so, but that's also how men and women, also how they are attracted to each other is smelling their pheromones, right? That's how a baby can tell intuitively very quickly that they're around their mother because they're smelling the pheromones, right? And they even how dogs can sense cancers on people or even their emotion by smelling their pheromones because we're constantly releasing things in our breath. And there's a very small amount of immunogen, uh, not not immunogenicity, but of immunology. Okay, that's we're releasing some of the good stuff that it could make someone sick, but it's such a small amount that it's not enough to make your body go into oh we're sick mode. Okay, so you're so like so you know what a lot of doctors recommend and and what's you know i think it's just a natural thing uh that just makes sense when you have older people with children you know not very very young but you know toddlers and stuff they're shedding their immuno components right or having adults around kids they're constantly in a battle of their immune system well, that can kind of heighten up and, and, and kind of charge up your immune system because you're breathing in 
all the different little particles, the different ones that are going to, your body's going to react to that. And it's going to kind of, oh, maybe we should just kind of slowly start up our immune system right now and fight this little virus that this little human body, I just breathed in, right? Can I ask, do these particles, when they're expelled, do they interact with dust? Like yeah, I mean, everything. Accumulate in dust? Well, you know, it's just like how, for instance, people get worried that if a mosquito uh, sucks the blood out of an HIV person okay. and then goes to you, right. certain components, they cannot withstand being... Um, to the elements too long, right? Like in order to ha that to happen, that mosquito would literally have to be like, boom, boom, like one right. to the next, because okay. just the temperature change will denature the virus, right? Okay. Well, these are different, they're proteins, uh -huh. but uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you yeah, how long will it withstand being in the air or if the sunlight touches it or if it's now on the ground, right? But this is more, you know, you're in the same room with somebody, interacting you're breathing, with you're interacting, you're talking to them face to face. This is you're with your partner and you sleep in the same bed, right? You're hugging your child, you're kissing on your child, right? This is now like immediate transfer, right? Okay. That I'm, I'm following along. And with your skin, right? We're constantly shedding skin. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's going to be dead skin that comes off. But, and this is where I haven't necessarily done, I don't even know if there's actually really any thorough talks of, from scientists depicting the exact of how the shedding, I'm sure there is, I just have not had time to get into that in depth of a conversation, but um, you know, some of these mRNAs are attached to these nano fatty particles and fats can go whoop, right through your cell membrane. So your cell membrane, okay, well, typically, uh, it'll have what's called your phospho, uh, uh, well, your phospholipid layer, right? It's going to be either waterphobic, right? Or it's, uh, which means it's not attracted to water. So it's going to be like oil and water, right? Right. Or that it, uh, the phospho, Solidic. Now I just forgot, man. Normally I'm really good about remembering okay. this stuff. I can't pronounce it, so I won't even attempt, but I know what you're talking about. So your phospholipid layer, okay, is basically little fat, like the smallest amount of fatty particles, like molecules. Right. And so all of our cells have this because it's a way to create a barrier, okay? The and so... Protective barrier to keep the cell content contents safe. Yeah. And so it's literally a barrier, right? It keeps it all and, and it compartmentalizes the cells and that's how we have tissues and that's how we have systems. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they'll typically look kind of like this. Right. Okay. So you're up top, mm -hmm. you got your, your fatty cells, mm -hmm. um, where it's just your bigger molecule of carbon and whatnot. And then these little lines, you'll have two of them that come out are your phospholipids, okay? So when you have it in this manner, okay, these in the middle are gonna be positively charged, right? Yes. 
And then the ones on the outside will be negatively charged. So in the cell, you're going to have that opposite. So that's why they like to attract in that manner. Okay. So fatty lipids will be able to go right through there. Hormones have little uh, methylated groups or just little, because uh, I don't want to get too into the verbiage, but basically they have little attachments to the hormone molecule that allows it that when it gets into this barrier, normally it's saying, no, you can't come in here, but it's got positive negative uh, charges that it can just choop, go right through it. Right. So there's certain things that can go through the phospholipid layer. Well, that's why these, they, they say, oh, well, it's got the nano particle uh, phospholipids because that's what helps it go through that barrier. Okay. You just had a major breakthrough for me. All now right. So with the shedding of the skin, right? The mRNA is a genetic piece of material and mRNAs the M is the messenger. Why? Because it can go normally in the cell. You have the nucleus. Nothing is allowed in that nucleus unless you're genetic material, but not all genetic material can go in there. But guess one of them that can go in and out of it. I'm going to get sick. Messenger RNA can get pretty close in there. Okay. And so it can go in and out. So most of your cells, they say, well, no, the mRNA is only in the injection side. It's not going to go to all your cells. That's not true. Um, we've now there's been autopsies in other labs, even in the U.S. and in Spain and other countries that they're showing that they're showing the S, the spike protein that I'm from now I'm going to say S protein, but that's the spike protein genetics of it. The coding is found in the liver, in the skin, in the tissues inside the body. So I mean, when we're talking genetics, this is something that eventually it can it can go, it can go to your whole body. Mm -hmm. How fast? We don't know. But if it can get into your genetics, it can get into your skin cells because that's where every cell has a nucleus and has your chromosome. Every single cell. There's very few cells that don't, but it comes. Those cells come from an originator cell that say, well, we're going to make this particular cell kind of like. Or, or proteins and things like where they're making fluids that your secreting glands and whatnot may not have all the genetic material, but for the most part, just about every single cell in your body has genetic material. So when you're shedding this, it could be that you're literally getting the mRNA that's tied to that fatty nano nanoparticleized uh, phospholipid that can just easily go right through your skin, right? Because normally your skin is there for a barrier, right? So you're not going to just ingest. Some things can be ingested and again because like fatty particle oils and stuff, right? Like certain drugs can just, if you're, you know, if you touch fentanyl and you touch it on you, it can, it can, you can overdose on stuff like that. Well, that's like a, let's say a steroid hormone that, you know, your husband's on testosterone cream and you're the one rubbing it on him. What's happening? Yeah. You're getting it too. You are getting it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how the skin to skin can happen. And literally the breathing, it's just, you're literally breathing out some of the spike protein is from what I understand. Okay. Makes, I mean, and so, and it's a real thing. I, 
first time I was around a lot of vaccinated people at work and it didn't, I did not even think about it. Literally the day of, I, towards the end of the day, I started feeling a little weird. And I was like, I felt like I was kind of coming down something. It was so light. I, did, I just ignored it. I thought it was more allergies. Mm -hmm. The next day, same environment. Now this time I was like, man, I really hope I'm not coming down with something. And then the third day I'm like, okay, what is going on? Like, I feel like I'm coming down with something and I haven't even seen a COVID patient or, or anyone that's sick. Mm -hmm. No one. I hadn't been in contact with anybody that was sick. And I literally just sat there at work and I'm thinking, and then I just look around and I'm like, every single employee in the room is vaccinated except for me. And I felt like this for like a week. So, and I had already been reading up on the shedding and stuff. So at the same time, what was the main thing I'm hearing that women vaccinated or non-vaccinated started having weird menstrual periods mm -hmm. and some women that they're like i haven't had my period in five years mm -hmm. and i woke up and i'm bleeding mm -hmm. or women that are like i have a very light period now it's like jaws just came through and devoured somebody i don't know what's going on right right, right. and so Wow. You know, I was trying to warn a lot of women that are pregnant because, and, and again, for all the viewers out there, I'm going to tell you just a few stories and it's not to bring in fear. It's only for you to understand. I've seen this personally and it can happen, but let's get past that because we don't need to dwell on that. Right. I don't think anybody can stop the exposure of the S proteins. It's impossible. Impossible at this point. It's impossible. You don't know who's been vaccinated. Some people are now being fearful of saying that I've been vaccinated. So I've known women that they're not vaccinated. They don't want to be. And but they've had to come around clinics or hospitals that people were vaccinated and they had miscarriages right after their interaction with vaccinated people. Wow. And women that have had normal pregnancies, no kind of abnormalities, and now on their third pregnancy, they get a miscarriage when they're like in their 30s. Wow. And a very healthy woman, right? It's just not, it's abnormal. Um, and obviously, the main thing is women of all ages, I've seen women in their, I, well, I haven't talked, spoken to a lot of teenagers, but I'm sure they're having issues and they're just not speaking up. Right. Or they don't even know. Right. Yeah. They don't even know. Yeah. But a lot of women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s mm -hmm. that are now having abnormal bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, and I've I've been more interested in seeing what's the hormonal balance going on. Unfortunately, I haven't had the, the ability to look at people's hormones, but I just saw a video of a doctor looking at some of the hormonal balances in people after they were like pre-vaccinated and then after and looking at their immune system it was going shot to hell. I mean, literally it was as if something was going on in their body, right? Well, I mean, it's triggering an inflammatory response within the body as soon as it's injected. So if you've already got a weak immune system and a lot of inflammation, this is going to be potentially extremely problematic. Yes. Yes. 
from my own experience as a practitioner working predominantly with females, being in the industry and having a lot of, uh, you know, interaction with females, period. I, last year, have heard so many women complaining of changes with their cycles, specifically women within my age range whom are in their early, or I'm sorry, early 40s to mid 40s, all of a sudden becoming perimenopausal and starting menopause. So I myself have had a very, very healthy menstrual cycle for predominantly majority of my life, minus my early years when I was adolescence, teenage, living off of sugar. Okay. Well, that's normal for, for teenage, you know, yeah. you don't, it takes, it you takes could go three months and not have a period. Right. So for the most part, I never had cramps. I never had weight fluctuations. I never had tenderness of breast. I never had irregularity with my periods. They were literally like, boom, oh, my period's here, oh, okay. And then I would have my bleeding for the X amount of days and then it would be over. I wouldn't have the headaches. I wouldn't have all of these things that I've heard all of my you know, clients themselves and friends and family complaining of over the last many years. Well, in the last year, for me, things started to change, specifically six months ago. And I'm a data geek. I am all about, I am like a walking experiment myself. I'm constantly collecting the data. So I'm testing my hormones nonstop. And I just recently had my hormones redone. And in the last six months, I went from completely normal, healthy, optimal ranges to now I am perimenopausal. Literally, I my periods are just absolutely insane. The fluctuation in uh, fluid retention, the headaches, the body aches, like all of these things that I've never experienced before are now chronic for me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I, from, from genetic perspective, looking at my family history of women starting menopause, it wasn't until late 50s, mid to late 50s, before they started to have their trans, you know, the transition and change. I have been extremely fertile in my lifetime, very healthy. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening to me. And I know that there's a lot of other women out there who are going through the same thing. And doctors right now have no explanation for what is happening. Yeah. And, you know, it obviously is getting so much attention now where they don't want that. Finally, the NIH decided to allot some money to go do that research, which I'm sure they're going to say there's no correlation because they're all, I already kind of read it. You, Yep. I know what they're saying. Going. Well, it could be due to COVID symptoms. No, or, these are people that don't have COVID at all. And they're, experiencing this it is not a covid issue yeah i think that i think that from a research perspective what they're going to boil it down to what it will be justified as is that due to pandemic circumstances it created a significant stress response that altered the production of sex hormones due to 
chronic cortisol production. Yeah. Even though most of the women I know are very calm, awesome beings that they're not worried about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. But except for just any normal stress, but nothing out of the ordinary. Now, again, there's not like a lot of research on this, but what do we know already? Pfizer already was stopped or not, not really stopped. They were just like, Oh, time out. Why? Because it was causing blood clots. Now other vaccines are showing the same thing. And what they're not telling the public is that most of the people being hospitalized and dying are from blood clots. I can't tell you how many people come in here telling me this, that they're significant other from 36 year old. We have a lady here in our community, her husband, 36 years old, a week, within a week of getting the vaccine, blood clots in his whole entire body. And they're like, oh, it's got to be his uh, family or something like that. Are uh-huh. you kidding me? Yeah. No, actually, I've recently come across quite a few images of individuals whom were showing blood draws of under a microscope, pre-vax versus vax, and literally it's just clumps. They're just l- colonizations yeah. of red blood cells throughout the entire image. Um, it's, Yeah. Yeah. So right. speaking to that, how frightening is it that the FDA just approved for the first time ever a medication that is going to help support blood clotting in children under children. from five and above? And so well, that's what I would call projection. Exactly. They're it's already so- projecting it to you because that's what's going to happen is that once the kids are getting injected, they're going to start having blood clots. And so what do they need? A buck. It's all for a buck. So now here we are in force in, Cal- in the state of California. The governor has mandated that children five and older are vaccinated in order to go to school. So parents are in a position now where they're having to choose. I have to either vaccinate my child to send them to school, or I'm going to have to rearrange my entire lifestyle and means of living in order to support my child's development, right? And we've got medications that are already being approved for the problem that we don't yet have because we aren't giving the vaccination yet. Yeah. I mean, and you know, for me, it always boils down to the same is that people are just going to have to stand up and say enough is enough. You know, some people don't realize the severity of all this, that they're literally infringing on our rights. They're not, they're taking away your rights. They're saying you don't have a choice. It's either this or your whole life sucks. Right. You know, I don't know if you've seen, are you aware of Project Veritas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the the recent uh, exposures that he's put out? Um, the, in, as in how recent? Like as in the last 24 hours? The week has been huge. You need to, this is what I'm telling you, get on Telegram. Yeah, yeah. Literally, they had a scientist, a Pfizer scientist, yeah, I, multiple I, of them, a Pfizer CEO, many of these people, okay? And they know that this stuff causes issues mm-hmm. and they just, they don't want to put it out there, right? Yeah. And um, 
Well, they can't put it out there. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, they can't, right? I mean, I'm sure with a lot of the video- Well, they can't as in it'll ruin their narrative? Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so- Of course. Yeah. But, you know, people need to hear these things to get themselves riled up and, and realize this is a coordinated effort here. And whether some people are not part of the coordination, they're being told not to say anything. Right. And what is it that they're not being told? Important stuff that would probably make you think again by putting something in your body. And so they're putting this stuff in your body that does not help. It causes issues. They're suppressing the adverse effects. They're suppressing the deaths of the vaccine. I can't tell how many doctors have to come out, you know, big videotapes saying like, yeah, we're not even the hospital doesn't want us to report these deaths mm -hmm. from the vaccine when it's obvious. Right. So we already know that the Harvard uh, did Harvard did a study a few years back on the VARS, which is the vaccine adverse effect reporting system to see how accurate it could be. And they showed that only between one, one, some instances, but it could be one to 10, but it was really more around the ball game of, of the ballpark of 1% of all the effects and deaths were actually reported. Wow. <laughs> and let's say, okay, 10%, 10%. So where's all the 90%? Yeah. And this is stuff that we know for a fact. We know for a fact. So they're suppressing the information. So for all the individuals listening right now who are like, okay, I've got some thinking to do. How can we lead them to a um, drop out the fear and realize that there are still some really tangible things that they can latch on to or incorporate into their lifestyle to help support feeling some form of peace amongst all of the chaos and uncertainty and doubt and confusion in which we are existing right now. What are some of the holistic modalities or motilities that we can kind of lean towards to help support our overall health and well-being? What are your favorites? Well, I would say this, first of all, just to reassure everyone in the most natural way, your body's immune system is the most like hardcore thing that your body has. Mm -hmm. So we expose ourselves to stuff all the time. Your body gets used to it. This spike protein going around, whether, you know, even like yourself, if you think you've made or in myself included, your body will adapt to it. OK, your body will adapt to it. It will create some form of immunity towards that. Um, so don't live in fear in that essence, because you're, that's what your body does every day. It's what it's meant to do is to fight off foreign objects. Your body cannot truly distinguish. Is this a piece of foreign object like a metal or is this a virus or a bacteria? It attacks it the same way. Mm -hmm. it, it can create antibodies for it. It does. But it can't tell you, oh, this is specifically E. coli that are compared to tuberculosis. No, right. the, the antibodies it's creating, yes, can, can maybe help the body decipher that eventually. But it's going to put on an attack as, I don't know what this is, just get rid of it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and it does that with cancer as well. Cancer that's coming from your own body. It's your own genetics. 
It's your own tissues. Now, yes, there are some cancers that, you know, there's, they're, they're so good at tricking the body into thinking that it's a normal cell. Your body doesn't know. Right. But most cancers, once something is odd about it, your body's like, whoa, 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 this cell, it's not a normal cell. We need to start attacking it. Let's get rid of it. Okay. So even against our own selves, your immune system can fight back. So continue to live healthy, exercise, sunlight. Okay. The other thing um, that I would uh, recommend for, 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 you know, especially because I wanted to save this for them was the NAC mm-hmm. because a lot of doctors out there have been saying that could help with the shedding. Um, so, you know, that's one, especially someone's having some prolonged symptoms, you know, try it out. See, you know, there's, there's really no harm in, in trying that and see if it, if it helps. Now, um, other, sorry, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, just so I clarify to the audience, you can still get NAC through a prescription. So potentially you might be able to make a case for your doctor to prescribe it to you so you can get it from the pharmacy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and what I would do is if your doctor says no, tell them, okay, well then we're going to move to a different doctor Mm -hmm. because you can't help us. Right. Literally. I mean, that's what it takes when I was saying, you know, people need to stand up and realize what's going on. Put your doctor on notice and tell them, well, we're going to change doctors in, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to blow you up on all my social medias Mm -hmm. and everybody to not come to you Mm -hmm. and go to the next. And if they say no, tell them the same thing and go until one says, okay, fine. All right. I'll give it to you. Here you go. Literally. Good advice. I'm a huge fan of, you know, having to advocate ourselves through the healthcare system and hearing it firsthand from myself and others like you. I think it really just validates the importance of having to be our own healthcare experts in a sense. Yeah. So other more natural things that you can do. Well, first of all, I forgot to mention this. You can make HCQ at your home. What? Now, it is something you need to be a little careful about, but it's simply like making tonic water. And in fact, if you drink tonic water, it is something similar to HCQ because it contains an amino acid called quinine. Mm -hmm. And quinine is very important as well for the immune system. And that's what's in hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine is has the quinine aspect in it. And so... What you can do is, uh, if you really can't get a hold of any ACQ or something similar, get a bunch of grapefruits, mm-hmm. limes, and lemons. Now, and oranges if you want as well. It's better if you use grapefruit and oranges and lemons mm-hmm. in that order. Grapefruit has the most amount of quinine in it. And so what you're going to do for about, I would say about like a normal pot, let's say like a two quart kind of uh, pot, <clears throat> you can put at least three large size, um, uh, a large size of grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And now I, I, for two quarts, I would do like three grapefruit and maybe like two oranges or, or three, lem- three or four lemons, okay? You're gonna take off all the rind, all the peel. You're not gonna use the actual fruit you're gonna have to eat that which goes along lines with eating healthy Mm -hmm. or make some orange juice or whatever 
So then you're going to take the rind off and you're going to put it in the water and you're going to boil it. Okay. And you're going to boil it for about 15 minutes. <clears throat> you can do it longer, actually. Um, you can, uh, you know, I would say probably about 30 minutes on a low boil, you know, just a little rumbling boil. Okay. But the most important part is when you boil it, you have to have it covered. And okay. do not take the cover off until we're finally done with this whole process. Okay. Because quinine is very volatile. What does that mean? It's like gas. If you let gas open, it's going to evaporate very quickly. Uh -huh. Okay. Quinine also, if you expose it to the air, it's going to evaporate very quickly. Okay. So when, after you boil it there for, for 15, 30 minutes, okay. <clears throat> Slow boil at least 15 minutes. Then you turn it off, take it off the heat and just let it sit there with the cover. Okay. Once it is completely lukewarm that you can now touch it, drink it, whatever, make sure you tap the top of it because the quinine will be more in the air and in those droplets. So a large concentration of it could be up there. So tap it all off. Okay. okay. And make sure it's all now in the liquid and there you have it. Oh then all you have to do is you can put some like agave nectar or some sweetener because it will be very tart and you can take a, a what I would recommend is just if for prophylaxis, if you want to, which if you do that for prophylaxis, you're going to be making a lot of, of this stuff. You're going to have a lot of grapefruit, but you could do like a teaspoon a day. Okay. Now, if you're sick, what I've seen people take is you take three teaspoons a day mm -hmm. for take it as long as you need to until your symptoms start to improve or, or are gone. All right. Natural HCQ. Now I would do that along with taking the four main supplements. Which are vitamin A, C, D, and zinc. Or, Boom. or you can go and also get a prenatal pill that's going to cover all those bases. And you can also get some quercetin. Ooh, which it. some people will recommend. Some doctors are recommending 250 milligrams once a day. Some are saying all the way up to 500 milligrams twice a day. Um, I would just focus on the higher concentrations if you're sick. Okay. If you're not sick, just take minimal amounts. You're, you're, we're already, we're, we're, we're working at like optimal speed here. We don't need to be freaking out. Remember most people, everybody basically your recovery rate is 99%. Don't worry about it. Don't live in fear, right? So that brings me now to the next part is the don't live in fear, right? When you start to make your brain think in that process, oh my God, I got exposed to the, to the shedding. My period's off. I don't feel right. Now I'm feeling it. Now my husband feels it, blah, blah, blah. Well, the fear aspect is not going to help your body. Right. So try to not be fearful of it. I understand people, especially if you're feeling sick, it's kind of hard not to feel that way. But there's things that you can still do to mitigate it. So just focus on that. So another way that just it, some people might go, what are you talking about? Is through sound frequencies. OK. Tell me more. Tell so, me more. Ooh. So Tesla started, well, actually, this has really been all the way back to the Tibetan times where they would use sound with the bowls and other ways to kind of help with not just emotional, but physical ailments. Mm 
Um, and certain forms of Chinese medicine have also kind of dipped into that. But Tesla in the more modern age, he was literally using uh, Nikola Tesla was using uh, like megaphones, kind of like the old school, uh, like record players, you know, I forget what, what those are called. Um, and he would direct the, these frequencies, these noises to your knee. I got knee pain. Okay. Or I have diarrhea. So he would direct it to the stomach. And so we know that certain frequencies like our brain waves can help or not help in certain instances. Excuse me. So for instance, just to kind of understand how this plays our six emotions, mm -hmm. when you are feeling that emotion and you're connected to an EEG and they're looking at other devices to look at your brain waves, your brain waves move at a very specific hertz, mm -hmm. which hertz is like saying milligrams for something. It's just the, the annotation for um, that uh, value of uh, what we're looking at, which in this sense is sound waves right. or waves that propagate like sound. And so you're, if you're thinking fear, every time you think fear, it's going to come out as very specific frequency. Mm -hmm. When you feel surprised, it will change and it will be another very specific frequency. When you're happy, when you're sad, when you're disgusted, all these emotions express themselves and brain waves at a very specific frequency that is different from each other, which is how we denote, denote the different emotions that the body experiences. Right. Right. And these things are very natural. I can go to a little baby that's old enough and go, what does this mean, child? Mm -hmm. I don't even need to talk to you. You're right. What does this mean, child? Mm -hmm. So that's how deep the emotional aspect is, which, again, goes with the frequency. So we know that there's certain frequencies like 432 hertz. There actually have been studies where they and, and when I say these frequencies, OK, it can be a sound. It could be like a tone. Boom. It could be a the overall sound that's coming from the song. Mm -hmm. It could be ketones like pianos, right. keys, okay? That eventually the tone that it's setting, that wavelength is at 432 hertz. Right. So what they've done is in Petri dishes, they look at cells um, while they're working and doing their thing, and then they play these tones, boom, and they're hitting the t these cells at 432 hertz. And they showed that most all cells, plants, human, animal, work the most efficiently with the least amount of mistakes mm -hmm. at that frequency, right? And a simple kind of uh, example of how this is something that can work and that you can see it without like whoa what is he talking about 430 hours i still don't understand what he's talking about now kids are so smart they do these cool experiments and recently i'm sure this maybe have been something done prior but since i was a kid i never saw any of this until recently a girl put three different lima bean stalks right and she planted them 
And on one, she put music that was very uplifting. Mm -hmm. On the middle one, the control, there was no music. And the third one, it was like kind of, you know, bad rock, or you know, the heavy metal kind of stuff, or just things that would say negative things, okay? And she watched them grow. <clears throat> Finally, it got to a point where they were growing, but it was like clear as day. She, there's a famous picture of it. It's awesome. The plant that's growing with no music is growing just like a normal plant, and it's about like a foot tall. Mm-hmm. The plant that's got all the bad music as grew some and then it started to die and it's like literally rotting. Okay. Literally rotting. And the plant that has a good uplifting music is like three times the size of the normal plant. And kids have repeated this experiment time and time again. Another example, a very famous, uh, Japanese scientist that has passed away. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I yeah, I've, I've seen all of his work with the with the water and freezing it. With water. Yeah. Right. So, uh, what's his name? Is Isamuru Imoto, I believe is his name. Um, that was a beautiful pronunciation. I would have butchered the hell out of that. <laughs> Let me see real quick because I know some people are going to be very interested in this. I'm sorry, Masaru Imoto. So Dr. Masaru Imoto wrote a book about water consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Hidden Messages in Water. And he repeated this several times. And he would get water and freeze it in glass jars. Yeah. The same water. It came from the same tank. And what people don't. And so what he would put them in these glass jars and freeze them. Well, what most people, some people kind of know this because if you remember back to science, that when water freezes, specifically water, it will, the, when it freezes, the molecular configuration of it will freeze in a different way every time, mm -hmm. which is kind of where we get the, the metaphor, kind of like the quote saying, you're as, you're as special as a snowflake. Right. Heather, you are special as a snowflake. Indeed I am. And why do they say that? Because every snowflake, if you look at it underneath the microscope, it is frozen in a different geometric shape. It may look like a star, but it's a very different configuration of it, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so when he would freeze them, he did some that they were just all frozen. He looked at them and they were all pretty similar in, in, in how they would freeze. Well, then... He would simply just write a word on tape and tape it to the jar. Yeah. Love, hate, beautiful, ugly, right? I hate you. I adore you, right? And so he would limp, simply just tape it on there and he would leave them. I forgot for how long of a period of time. Then he went back, would take them out, scrape them and look under the microscope. And it is so awesome to see what this there, man found there. So for anyone who is listening and interested, you can go, there's all kinds of videos that you can find on YouTube um, of his work and showing the depictions of the different processes, playing the music, you know, just saying the different things to it. And then even saying it, just yeah. grabbing it 
Yeah. There were there's some studies that people would literally just think of it. Yeah. So for me, this is fascinating because I think about programming and conditioning, right? And man, we we're gonna take things so off topic. But bottom line is I think about programming conditioning and the exposure to the environment that we have from birth to eight and how that is one of the predictors of how our cells are going to show up and function as we move forward into adulthood in coordination with our behaviors and the environment in which we are creating that are then embracing that whole destruction of the cellular function. It's like, like I said, that's a whole nother topic that we could go down. But again, but that's kind of what I'm leading into in that we now know what was basically happening with the messages in water is that they would, the, 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 the messages of beauty and uplifting uh, words, they would, it would be these beautiful immaculate stars yeah. and they would, he could repeat this. And the ones that were like, I hate you. Uh, you know, all these negative things, there were horrible blob looking things that water doesn't even naturally freeze right. in that way. Yeah. So if our words, even just written down, can project this type of energy, mm -hmm. right? Imagine you thinking hate, fear, you know, uh, jealousy, all these negative things in your head. Right. You're changing the, the component of that energy that you're emitting. Yeah. And so... Why I mention it like that, because if you're listening to certain music or hertz of certain frequencies that are called solfeggio, mm -hmm. solfeggio, S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O, solfeggio uh, tones, mm -hmm. you can, there's different ones from 174, 2 something, 3 something, 432, 528, 7 something, 8 something, and then 936. Those are like the main ones that people like to work with. And some of them can be dealt with for pain. Some is for emotional distress. Some is for collecting your tribe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some are for DNA repair. Yep. And so if you go home and listen to these frequencies, that's going to affect your body. Yeah. And your body naturally, its immune system is going to fight off what it doesn't like. Well, now if you're bombarding it with tones that make it feel better, make it work more efficiently, you're going to be helping it to fight off those S proteins, the shedding stuff, even the virus. Okay. I do this almost daily, especially when I feel bad and it works, man. One time I stubbed my toe and I was like, let's see if this works like in the immediate. I put the 174 Hertz for like an hour while I'm just cooking and doing stuff. By the end of the hour, I realized, man, my toe pain had actually gone significantly down and I stubbed the crap out of my toe. And uh, then the next day when I woke up, it was like it was almost gone. And I played it again the next day. By the third day, I had no toe pain whatsoever. And I've done this multiple times. Now, this is not going to be something that like, hey, I just chopped my finger off. Oh, just put some 174 on. Right. It'll be okay. Well, thank you I don't for know that disclosure because in the event. I don't know if it'll work that well, but. I feel you so hard on this. I actually have a whole podcast episode talking about how our thoughts can heal us, how our thoughts can yeah. help to either facilitate 
making us sick or to help reverse and repair the damage that has been created. So I am a huge believer. I've seen it firsthand in my own previous experience. Um, you guys can go back and listen to that episode from last summer where I was in a relational situation and was in resistance to leaving this. And, and ultimately I manifested some issues that um, I was able to, you know, reverse and redirect the thoughts and, and be able to put myself into a much better place. So I am a firm believer. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, going home, playing these frequencies, there's songs out there that also that have uplifting messages that the, the overall tone of it is that frequency for DNA repair or the 432, which is like the universal one. It's just good all around to listen to it. Right. And, and so that for me steps us into what's the next remedy you could do, right? How you're saying, you know, um, uh, you have to place yourself right in that kind of mind frame. Right. So speaking more positive about yourself or saying things like I am healed. My body is the strongest thing that I know and my immune system will overcome anything that does not serve me and my highest self Often or me and my best right now. They're clapping and dancing and going, yeah, let's woo, do woo, it. Woo. Yeah. Right. So setting that intention, right? When you wake up, you know, a good way that someone had mentioned it to me recently. If you wake up scared from a nightmare, think about how the rest of your day is going to go. Yeah. But if you wake up with a dream that you're like, wow, that was freaking awesome. I had a crazy dream where I had like this walrus looking whale with big teeth that would eat crystals and I could breathe underwater. And it allowed me to be, uh, to, to, to monitor and like handle its crystals, these huge ginormous crystals underwater in the Arctic. It was crazy. I want that dream. It was just like last week or I think it was on Monday or something. It was just recently. It was crazy. And I was just like, wow. And I woke up like I was still like, oh, man, like what happened there? But it put me in such a great mood. So when you wake up, you know, typically people in stressful situations like everybody in the United States of America, especially, but everyone in the world, you wake up like, damn, it, another day at work, another this other oh, kid. Oh, I forgot this. Oh, damn. Well, take a moment and just sit in peace and tell yourself I'm awesome. I'm love. I'm light. I'm an awesome being. I'm going to conquer today. My body's going to kick ass. Mm -hmm. Whatever you have to tell yourself, but make sure you tell yourself something that you, you believe. Don't be like, yes, I'm the underdog and I'm going to kick butt. Like you're, you got to believe what you're going to say. And so along with putting in that intention, put it out, not just in your body, put it on the universe because you're sending that energy out of you. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the last thing I would say in regards to that, you know, I would ex expect that most people that you're of your viewers are spiritual people, whether it's religious or, or non-religious, you're, you're spiritual in nature, right? We believe in something higher than us, right. the omnipotent, awesome creator of all. So 
what do I ask people to do? And this is what I did when I was feeling sick. Mm-hmm. I will typically sit down, right? Either sit down or lay down, have your back straight. Um, you know, it would help if you maybe were barefoot and you're grounding yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And kind of calm yourself. And literally what I do is I play the frequency that I want to play, which is a DNA repair or whatever I'm feeling that's going to help me. Right. I'll play the, the, the tones and I just kind of calm myself and go into some breathing and then I pray and I pray specifically for whatever you want to say. But the main thing is that I ask for God, creator, mother goddess, whoever you want to say to bring down white light energy in through my body. OK, bring it in through my body, illuminate my body and my surroundings to protect me. And to put that love and awesome divine energy into me so that anything that's in my body that does not serve my highest purpose or my best good intention, it be transmuted into whatever you want to. And I like to say light, love, and crystalline energy. I'm feeling all the feels. I just got goosebumps head to toe. If you aren't speaking the truth, I don't know what is. Seriously, I I think that honestly, that is some bomb ass advice because ultimately that is what we all need to embody. And this is what's going to help get us out of this nightmare in which we are existing. I love it. I, these are such fabulous tips. You've really blown my mind away. Literally, you've shared some really incredible truths with us. Um, things that I had no idea. I hope that for the listeners who are hanging in there with us, that they are walking away from this episode much more empowered and having a better understanding of a lot of the controversial things right now um, that are going on where we're only being really exposed to kind of one side of that narrative. So this is a really nice alternative to see. It's been very insightful and I just don't know how to thank you enough for the time, energy, and effort that you have put into us today. So thank you so much. I'm so honored to have the opportunity to interview you and and have you share with us. But most importantly, I just want to thank you for being a light worker and for being in that conventional world and helping to shed some light and truth onto what's really going on out there that we're being kept, you know, from being able to see you are an amazing being. We are so, so grateful for you. So thank you thank for you. the work that you're doing and we support you. I support you. If there's anything I can do, you better. Well, you know. we can keep doing some more interviews and hopefully your viewers can stop by my website at TX light guardians with a S at the end.com, txlightguardians.com. I will gladly take some donations because uh, unfortunately my employers don't feel the same way as I do. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Come on, guys. making man uh, and help share the, you know, support. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much. And I will make sure to link all of the your information so that they can have easy access to you. And I encourage anyone 
whom has found this interview insightful and um, really appreciate the knowledge that has been shared, I encourage you to go and please, please donate. Please donate. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather, for having me on here. And you're such a beautiful being. And I love what the work that you're doing and the, the spirit and the vibes that you bring. So keep it up. You're going to be awesome. And hopefully you're going to be paving the road for the future. I believe so. My well, hopefully you will be. I believe so. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.